0: What's up, and welcome to the Active Amputee Podcast. Everything people with a limb difference need to live an active and exciting lifestyle. I'm Bjorn Ezer, the founder of and shaker and maker behind the Active Amputee. And you're listening to episode number two of the Active Amputee Podcast. Before we get started, I would like to say a word of thanks to Dan and Beth for their amazing support. I met them back in 2008 when I was working in East Timor, and we stayed in touch ever since. Beth's father Andy passed away in June last year. For almost 40 years, Andy had worked for the Tasmanian Prothetic and Orthotic Service. In addition, he was involved with the International Committee of the Red Cross, offering his amazing skills and expertise to people in need in Botswana and Ethiopia, in Sudan, Pakistan and North Korea. To commemorate Andy and his legacy, Beth and Dan made a very generous donation to the Active Amputee. And I would like to dedicate the first three episodes of this new show to Beth's father Andy. And I would like to say a big thank you to Beth and to Dan. My Journey to Losing My Leg Part 2 Part 1 of my journey was all about my cancer year, the year from the diagnosis with an osteosarcoma, through the major surgery to remove all of my tibia and replace it with an endoprothesis, to the end of the chemotherapy. And today's story is all about my road to recovery. Back to normality. So, there I was. 16 years of age and had just finished my chemotherapy. The hair was gone, I had lost quite a bit of weight, I was down to something along the lines of 50 kilograms. Not really a lot when you're 1 meter and 78. Physically I was a bit weak but otherwise I was fine. More than fine actually. Emotionally I was full of energy and ready to go. I wanted my life back and I had a family that was providing amazing support to do whatever I needed to get back on track. So. Back to school it was. Back to a daily routine that was not dominated by the in and out of hospital cycles. Back to meeting up with friends, catching up with all the things I had missed. And back to a normal teenager life with all the nonsense that teenagers, rightly or wrongly, are famous for. A piece of advice from the hospital. The orthopedic consultant at the hospital had warned me that I needed to be careful. While he had managed to remove the tumor without having to amputate the leg, the consultant made it clear that sport wasn't on the agenda anymore. At least not any of the sport that I had enjoyed earlier, that is windsurfing, skateboarding, skiing, volleyball, or the ones where the action was. The endopothesis, so he said, would be okay for walking and for my day-to-day mobility. But I would not be able to run with it, not even be able to put all my weight on it whenever the knee is not fully extended. And, that was his main worry, The make-it or break-it point would be where the metal implant was connected to the ankle bone. This connection might easily break if I overdid it. And almost in passing, he mentioned that they had no experience of this kind of procedure with young and active patients. While similar operations on a smaller scale were standard procedure with elderly people, there was no reliable data to indicate how long such an endoprothesis might last. His guess was that the implant should be fine for at least five years. At the same time, he thought it was unlikely to last more than 15 years. Not ideal, I thought, but at that time I wasn't really concerned about any of this. I just wanted to leave the hospital, start my recovery and see what is possible. So it was time to start developing trust in my body again. Looking back at my recovery process, the immediate one as well as the long-term one, I think it can best be described as several interconnected journeys, inner ones and outer ones. The first journey was about physical fitness and learning to trust my body again. Obviously, that was top of my list. As soon as the chemotherapy was over and I was back home, I took up swimming. Not really my cup of tea, I must admit, but it was something to start with, something that wouldn't put a lot of stress on the leg So five to six times a week, I was in the pool. Soon after that, I started riding my bike again. But there was one problem, as I couldn't bend the knee fully and the quick exchange between extension and bending was not possible. So as the artificial knee joint wasn't up for this kind of exercise, I strapped the other foot to the pedal and rested the weak leg on the bike's frame. While this kind of riding took me a while longer to feel confident on the bike again, I soon loved it. It took me even longer to develop enough strength to ride it with only one leg and for an extended period of time. But this was my way of being mobile, my way of being active again, my way of being independent, and my way to gain confidence in my body again. Once I started university, I took up kayaking, the rivers running through the town where I studied, and as a member of the university's canoe club, I had free access to boats. So, several times a week, I was out on the River Laan, exercising, practicing basic kayaking skills and building confidence in being on the water. I had always loved camping and being outdoors. The longer the better. And the canoe was my way of being able to be out in nature without having to fully rely on my leg. Suddenly carrying loads of gear and food wasn't an issue anymore. Short trips on the local rivers were a good preparation for longer ones. First in Mecklenburg, that's Germany's equivalent to the British Lake District without the mountains, though, Then in Sweden and later on in Finland. These canoe trips were great fun and a good reminder of how good it felt to be out in nature. And they provided great opportunities to gain new skills and more confidence to push the limits a bit further. While long-distance trekking in the remote areas of this wonderful planet of ours always was a dream of mine, it took me some time until I actually felt confident enough to try hiking. Hiking for me meant walking on crutches. My leg just wasn't strong enough to support me with a backpack, especially not in rough terrain, downhill or off the beaten track. The first two days of every hike always felt hard on the hands, the wrists and the lower arms and shoulders. But generally, it was just a matter of practice and the right mindset. My initial day walks and weekend hikes on crutches opened a whole new world for me, They allowed me to experience that I was able to be out in Mother Nature for longer stretches without depending on a bike, a canoe or any other vehicle to transport my gear. Everything I needed was in my backpack and I was able to carry it. What a confidence booster. And with that confidence, I took the next step, climbing. Another one of my dreams from early childhood years. I initially only climbed indoors and on top ropes. In this regard, I was listening to the warnings from the consultant, as I didn't want to risk an uncontrolled fall onto the endoprothesis. And the fact that I was able to climb with my endoprothesis was a good reminder. Limitations are often only in our minds. Many of them can be overcome with the right mindset and the company of trusted friends. An insight that has been with me ever since. Time to travel further and further. This journey of getting physically fit, of learning to trust my body again, and then pushing the limits one step at a time was mirrored by a growing urge to travel further and further and see the world. The intervals between my cancer checkups at the hospital got bigger, appointments were further and further apart, and about two years after the end of the chemotherapy, they came to an end. Just in time, as I had been offered a scholarship by the German Parliament and the Congress of the United States of America to spend a year in the United States. An opportunity I sure didn't want to miss. So in the summer of 1989, I left for San Angelo, Texas to spend a year in the local high school. An experience that had an enormous influence on my later life. And it was the year when I finally caught the travel bug that has kept me on the move ever since. During my university years, I had the chance to study in Johannesburg, in South Africa. That was back in early 1995. The country had just seen the end of the apartheid regime. The nation was in transition, so what an exciting time to go. And what an exciting country to travel in. A country of extremes, of wild and untamed beauty, of endless adventures. While I spent the initial weeks at the university, I soon decided that Southern Africa has so much more to offer than attending lectures. I quickly signed up to help in a development aid project in what was then Eastern Transvaal. At the same time, I was giving a hand at a dairy farm. Once the project was over, I took to the road. I hitchhiked to the thinly populated northwestern parts of South Africa and hiked around the Khabis Falls before catching a ride on a flatbed trailer into Namibia. I had the chance to visit places of immense beauty in this seemingly barren country before heading back south, first to the Cedarburg Range and then on to Cape Town. It was there, at the southern end of the African continent, that I was offered a lift going through Botswana and Zimbabwe all the way up to Victoria Falls. I had the chance to see Swaziland and Lesotho before exploring more of South Africa. In short, I had the time of my life. Arriving where I wanted to be It was during my time in South Africa that my various journeys joined hands. The journey of being fit again and fully trusting my physical abilities and skills on the one hand and the journey of wanting to see more of the world and not feeling limited by my weak leg. I still remember the very day when I felt ready to engage in a multi-day mountain hike all by myself. Something I had never done before. I was in the Drakensberg area, near Sarni Pass, still one of my all-time favorite places on this planet. I had heard about a three to four day circular route in the borderlands between South Africa and Lesotho, and I instantly knew that was it what I wanted to do. So I stocked up on food, stuffed my gear into my backpack and headed off into the hills. Just before leaving, I filled out a mountain rescue register card. That is a card capturing basic information about your intended tour and when you expect it back. Normally, these cards can be handed in with the park rangers, but I gave mine to the owner of the hostel I was staying in, and I asked him to hand it to the rangers if I'm not back within five days. Why I didn't give it to the park rangers right away? Well, I was hiking by myself in a mountain area I hardly knew, with elevations of up to 3,000 meters. I had little experience, and in the forms field asking for something to identify you, I wrote Walk in on Crutches. So I was afraid the rangers might declare me out of my mind and prevent me from leaving for this hike in the first place. Yes, I knew it was irresponsible. Yes, and I'm aware that I'm not setting a good example here in terms of mountain safety and good practice. But looking back, this walk happened at the right time, a final step in my road to recovery. Hiking in the Drakensberg region has been one of the best things I've ever done. A hike all alone in one of the most spectacular areas of southern Africa wild, eland antelopes grazing, bearded vultures circling the sky. I slept in large caves, one even with a waterfall coming down over the entrance to the cave. I was spooked in the night by baboons and cooled off during the day in natural rock pools that were dotted along the bottom line of the valley. And after a couple of days, I returned safely, happy and proud, yes, very proud actually. Back home in Europe, I couldn't wait to finish university, get some more work experience and head back overseas again. So it came with little surprise to my family and friends that I soon applied for a job as advisor to the Justice and Peace Commission of the Archdiocese of Gulu in northern Uganda. At the time, the actual job description was in line with my skills. And the wider field of work was in line with my interest in social justice issues, an interest I newly developed while being in South Africa. In Uganda, I lived in an area strongly affected by armed rebellion and mass human rights violations. Tens of thousands of people were internally displaced. The area was heavily militarized, ambushes and small-scale skirmishes were the order of the day. General development was low and investment almost non-existent. People were often caught between a brutal armed group on the one hand and the often no less brutal reactions of the country's armed forces on the other. My three years in Uganda have been a time of formation and immense personal growth. They haven't been easy years. Far from it actually, and often to the contrary. But I guess personal growth and development never takes place when you're in your comfort zone. And in many ways, the years in Uganda have been very rewarding years for which I'm immensely thankful. During my stay in East Africa, I developed problems with my endoprothesis. Somehow my leg was unstable. My lower leg had more and more clearance to the left and to the right. Not a good thing for a knee joint, Nothing dramatic, I thought, nothing that needed immediate attention, but annoying nevertheless, and it made walking more and more exhausting and often painful. At the same time, developing these problems while living in northern Uganda put things back into perspective. Many of the things I was struggling with were almost insignificant compared to what people in northern Uganda were facing on a daily basis. And almost all of the issues I was struggling with could be addressed with a bit of patience, the right mindset and a few days in hospital. A luxury most of the people there did not have. Yet another lesson from my journey that has been with me ever since. After three years in East Africa, it was time for me to pack and move on again. First, back to Germany to sort out the problems with the endoprothesis. Once that was done, I continued on to London to start a new job as a program director for a peacebuilding organization, still focusing on northern Uganda and adjacent southern Sudan. Finally, a less frantic pace and a less intense daily routine. At least, that's what I thought. But, as it turned out, I was wrong. It soon was time to face another leg-related challenge, and this time an even bigger one. The one which finally led to the amputation. So much for episode 2 of My Journey to Losing My Leg. If you want to know how things continue, just tune in again and listen to episode number 3. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And I would really appreciate it if you leave me a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to learn more about The Active Amputee, make sure to head over to www.theactiveamputee.org where you find hundreds of articles from amputees for amputees. Articles filled with inspiration, information and encouragement to be active and live a rewarding life. I see you all again for the next episode. Until then, all the best. This is Björn from The Active Amputee.